Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and start recording. Um, okay. So just to get this meeting going, um, let's uh, take a look here. Oops. Okay. All right. So today, um, welcome to Blockchain Healthcare's presentation today in a series titled Utility in Healthcare. The series is meant to highlight pioneers who've taken experiential knowledge to business application. Today, we are speaking with Daniel Uribe, co-founder and CEO of Genobank.io, a genetic testing lab you may or may not have heard of. Uh, before we get into that great conversation, I'd like to inform people of the mission of blockchain and healthcare today. Um, blockchain and healthcare today is the world's first peer-reviewed journal uh, that amplifies and disseminates distributed ledger technology, research and innovations in the healthcare information systems, clinical computing and network technologies, and biomedical research uh, sector. It is considered the preeminent gold open access journal and is published on a continuous basis to accelerate sharing rigorously vetted theoretical and experiential knowledge required for a growth sector like blockchain and healthcare today. So also real quick, we have an upcoming seminar September 15th in Austin, Texas. And I wanted to uh, let you all know that uh, this is the place to meet all the professionals um, in, the, uh, in the industry um, that are currently working towards the same goal as Daniel uh, and myself really are, is um, more um, participation in the healthcare industry from blockchain. I'm going to put the link down here in the chat for um, anyone to look at if they're interested in going to the symposium. And I think a little birdie told me that I might get to meet you there, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Exciting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So with that all being said, um, today we are here to talk about privacy. Um, it's something that people emphasize the importance of every day, yet we are constantly asked for personal information that we're uncomfortable giving, often being process designed by another human being who probably expresses a need for privacy and anonymity, anonymity themselves. If you're like me, I have an other box in my outbox. Um, I even have fake accounts for websites to receive all their junk mail. Those are problems with Web2, and that's for another day, but it does show the problems we face with privacy. Where do we go wrong? Where is the coordination failure? Privacy is something that we all want, but it seems to be so elusive. At least with climate change and other humanities coordination failures, we know what needs to be done. We just don't do it. Which brings us to why we're here today. What happens when a corporation takes your genomic data and promises to never sell it and it has a Cambridge Analytica moment. Many of this day cannot trust Facebook because of the trust that was lost when we found out that all of our messages and all of our information was possibly being sold. What if said company had to restructure? Corporations of all sizes do, even nonprofit to profit, 
businesses have many options for reconstruction, including selling assets. Assets you never owned but contained a lot of information about you. Were those data fields when you did that genomic testing really anonymized? Cryptocurrencies are also known as digital assets and fall under the regulatory authority for commodities. They're digital assets that people own. Healthcare data is an asset that you do not own. Ask this self your question. If you don't have those assets, why are they keeping them if they say they'll never share them? Why do you just get a report? And why do companies want this information? All of our privacy concerns, and a lot of us have overlooked this big one. You don't own medical data. It can be sold and used in many ways. The data produced by healthcare is unimaginable. From your heartbeat to your checkbook, they'll even try to accommodate your religion, your language. Some have tangible effects, some not. Without your information, though, you have no leverage. You lack the freedom of digital liquidity of your own information. Hospitals are benign, people would say, but they are a business. Restaurants have great presentations too, accommodate your religion, food taste. Customer service isn't about always owning your information from the customer. What if your information was held in a wallet, a wallet of your own data? We basically already have that with digital assets or what people commonly call cryptocurrencies, or in this case, NFTs. Today, we're talking to Daniel about digital assets and the lack or need for digital liquidity. So welcome, Daniel, and I will let you take the floor from here. Um, I wanted to get to the questions for you um, here in a moment. Uh, first off, you know, why don't you tell us about yourself and why genomics for your company? Of course, thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you, thank you, everybody. I think that, we might. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe have a, There's, a, a delay. A delay in your sound, but that's okay. It comes. Okay. Well, I, as I was um, telling you, so thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being here, first of all. It's a pleasure to be here uh, with you, Ryan. So my story begins in 2017. Uh, okay, let me think. I've seen the mic. Uh, the mic, where is the mic? Can can we try now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, thank you. So in in 2017, my son was diagnosed with uh, a genetic rare disease that is causing him uh, a pathology. Is the the name is Glantzman thrombostenia, and it's very similar to uh, to to uh, a hemophilia, but it's not hemophilia. So it's it's uh, a, a disease that uh, that will allow you not to make some proper clots. 
So the, the patient uh, tends to, to uh, bleed a lot and it could be very dangerous for internal bleedings, right? Th those are the, the specific ones that will concern us the most. So back in that time, I was already involved in blockchain. Um, I, had, I had a fund. I, had, I, I was a, an angel investor that back then, and I was investing in the space of fintech and blockchain, specifically stable coins. We invested in one of the companies with a crypto peso, crypto Mexican peso, that's still alive. And it's, it's a wallet for paying uh, it's it's cross border billing payment between the United States and, and Mexico. Um, so that that was really exciting. But again, obviously the 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 case of my son inspired me, and I was obviously very very incentivized to learn as much as I can about genomics. Uh, first of all, obviously for the the sake of his own good health or how to take care of him. But second, obviously, as a professional in, in the space of cybersecurity, I started uh, learning about genomics. And right after, um, I went to Germany to, to study bioinformatics. And then I went uh, to, uh, uh, to London School of Economics and study data law as well. Um, so at the end of the day, we are right now, like uh, in the space of genomics, privacy laws, and blockchain, or more specifically into NFTs. I, I think you're muting, you're muted, right? Okay, so, um, so, so then um, healthcare and blockchain clicked for a lot of us early on because it gave us that opportunity for, we saw those connections of the disparate parts in the healthcare industry that really, uh, like in your son's case, would benefit from um, information that um, could be used to your own advantage or that you can use or you can direct to where you want it to be used. Um, and, uh, and own that information. Um, so, um, I wanted to, um, let's go into Genobank's model for your business. Why don't you tell us uh, what market segments you uh, uh, cling to, uh, your competitors, and um, how your process is different than um, theirs. Uh, I guess take me through um, um, the process. What if I walked in the door, Jim? Of course. So everything everything starts with a human biosample, right? So actually, this is like the the prototype that I always use. Like I have here in front of me. This is a very typical biosample collection too, right? on its kit. So usually what you do is you will spit here a little bit of your saliva, usually is two milliliters, right? And we are agnostic in terms of which manufacturer, right? This is one of the most famous. This is from our friends of um, DNA Genotech. 
This is their OGD 610, right? Very famous. But the only condition is that it has to have a unique serial number, right? So what we do is we create a QR code that is unique to these two, but has a very uh, unique characteristic as well. That QR code or this QR code already contains the cryptographic signature or the ID from the laboratory or the genetic testing company that will be uh, uh, sequencing your sample. So before that moment, the laboratory or the genetic testing company has to have an identity in the blockchain that we know. So is is a wallet literally, or a, a, a public address, right? That we as Xenobank, we we uh, we, we have it uh, in a, in our profiles of laboratories. To do that, we certify that this is a a, a cleared um, or a certified laboratory, and in this case, we are also kind of the pioneers in what we call a laboratory NFT or a lab NFT. And we use that NFT as an identifier of the laboratory. So what happens when you get the test kit is that you will scan this QR code. And again, we already have two claims, right? We have the identity of the laboratory and we have the identity of the biosample, the serial number. The third one is your identity as a patient or as a participant. So you'll be asked to link with an existing wallet or you can generate a new one. We always recommend to generate a new one and an independent one for controlling this specific biosample. When we have these three claims, as we call them, right? we create what we call our bio NFT or biosample permission token. And this is also where we pioneered since 2019. So we are the first consent NFT that involves these three players. It could be more uh, because you could have a laboratory, a researcher and you that are now related to a biosample. But in this case, the, the most simple uh, mechanism would be the laboratory that will sequence your or you will process your biosample, this biosample and you, right? Because in essence for us, what we are trying to do is use NFTs to give decentralized data rights to each biosample that are according to you, not to the company necessarily or is a good a good agreement. So so once the the, the biosample is tokenized, right? I will still have to ship this, right? To ship it using mail or just put it into the laboratory or well hand hand it over to the laboratory so it can be processed. But the huge advantage I think that use uh, to use this is that it's completely pseudo anonymous which means I didn't use any name or any email or any telephone. I'm just using my wallet, right? And we use 
non-custodial wallets, which means you will always have your private key. You can use non-custodial wallets. And in this way, you are in control. So you log in into your dashboard and then you start controlling what do you want to happen with your data that is produced by the laboratory. Each kit also has its private vault, right? It, and in this case, you, uh, you are, again, you're in control. And we have a version for families where you don't have only one, uh, you don't have only one biosample tube, you have minimum two, right? Father, son, mother, son, or, or, or uh, children, and for siblings. But obviously, you can analyze the whole family, and we call this the family vault, right? The Web3 family vault or the genomic uh, private uh, vault. So in, in essence, this is kind of the idea where Genobank is working. And at the end of the day, we want to enable patients or participants to own and control their biosamples and the, the, the derived data that we call biodata. I don't know if this uh, was a good explanation. Oh, no, um, I get it. Uh, basically, you recommend a wallet for um, someone. Um, a family can be tested and they can um, keep it in a family vault. And um, you, um, I believe we talked about don't keep the information yourself um, unless they uh, want to in that vault. And are they able to um, keep it um, with you guys at all? Um, I now I I know your competitors would keep that information. But um, I'm wondering about um, the ownership of it completely. Um, is that uh, I, I, you, we've walked through your process, but I know these are questions that people may ask. No, um, it's, it's a very good question. I, be I believe that you're based on an Ethereum chain too um, with an NFT. And we're about to get into that. Yes, so no, that's a very good question. So we do not store the information. We only are in charge of the governance kind of claims or the governance mechanisms. So we, we help uh, our donors to work with their existing laboratory. So our technology enables laboratories to offer these bolts, right? They already are like storing the data they are already trusted by the patients or the donors or the researchers, right? Laboratories are still a very secure um, uh, place to store biodata. Usually they have a lot of certifications, even like the newest ISO 27000. And what we just enable is that the governance of the data is controlled by the donor. And in essence, in one sentence, what we are doing is we are enabling certified laboratory data and consented by the donor to be in hands of researchers. 
And you wrote a paper or you and um, I don't have it right in front of me. You'll have to apologize. No, you, you were maybe the main author on it. Um, and uh, it was in the uh, Journal of the British Blockchain Association that com- that described it pretty well. And uh, we went into a discussion about how um, Vitalik had come out with this paper recently about soul-bound tokens mm. and who can be an issuing authority for a soul-bound token. Oh my gosh, what does that even mean? We've got a new token coming up. Um, and um, so tell me what what your opinion is about that because we went into that a little bit and it's uh it's interesting because even in the groups that I speak with, we've had debates over who can issue and um, how it transports um, through that. But the originality of it is my, I guess, my fascination with that part. If you could go into that a little bit, that would be great. Of course. No, this, this is a very interesting topic. Yes. Yeah, so I co-authored in 2020 um, uh, uh, an article named privacy laws, um, non-fungible tokens and genomics. So I, I just uh, put it a, a link in the in the chat if if somebody is interested. But in essence, um, if I may uh, share my screen, I have one slide that could literally illustrate very, very uh, like succinctly that w- what we're doing. Um, I believe I have uh, the the okay thank you very much thank you ryan so at the end of the day again we think that these bio nfts are part of the building blocks for health 3 or 3.0 3.0 means like the donor or the patient has the ownership and control right or is patient owned kind of uh so this is uh again the, the the my inspiration my son so this is the paper and in the, in the essence of the paper uh, is basically this triangle and i believe we we describe the functionality so the in this in this uh, triangle the authority or the ethical authority is the patient for us so the most powerful kind of saying here is patient's consent right so that's the, the, the first. The second very important part is the laboratory ID. So laboratories, uh, we have different qualities, different specialities, different like types of laboratories. And the laboratory for us is proof of authority in terms of the, the health uh, certifications, right? Some of them are CLIA certified. Some of them, they are not. But what I'm trying to do, this is this is the proof of origin, proof of quality, proof of authority in terms of the data, in terms of the protocol they are using, in terms of the, the machine, right? I mean, I, I, I'm here have a, a, a Oxford nanopore kind of, of uh, DNA sequencer, right? So the, the, uh, the idea is that the laboratory will obviously sequence the data and enrich it with metadata and lastly we have the data consumer right 
or the, the, the person or the entity that will make the, the use or the most use of this information, which is the, the researcher. So we have the bio NFT that represents consent. We have the laboratory NFT that represents the authority of the laboratory or the origin of the data. And then we have the researcher NFT that represents the, the, the custodian, right? The, the, the data processor or the data, uh, the, the person or the entity that will analyze this, this data. So this is, this is basically what we do. And well, this is just like an illustration about our family vault that has like three, at least three different private keys as for mom, dad, and a trustee. So in case of a, let's say, hopefully not divorce or something that happens, maybe somebody, some of the uh, parent might, might die. Uh, these, uh, these are things that happened. Well, then you, you need to have two of the keys, two thirds of the keys, right, of the keys. But, but again, we, we want to emphasize that Genobank is very, very focused in the governance layer of, of genomics, right? We want to make it secure and we want to have um, uh, traceability, right? So what would you say to somebody who would say to uh, say the hospital um, or a large institution, if they don't have infrared, if they don't have access to someone's information that we all keep in a DID, um, a de-identified wallet, um, they might say that it's siloed information. And if you get to a hospital or something along those lines, um, and this just happens to be one part of it, but of your wallet, but then you start building other parts in your wallet, uh, blood tests, uh, for, you know, something that's come up, uh, office visits, um, um, specialists. Um, so what do you say to siloed information beyond, uh, genomics, and is it kind of in a different class where this is just a base um, information, whereas the other is um, emergent information that is needed to know quicker? I'm trying to think of if somebody goes to the ER, and this wouldn't really need to possibly be known, but this would be a part of that wallet. And when it gets bigger and, and larger, um, then um, people might say that it's information that's not available to be accessed for emergency use. Yours isn't like that, but do you have anything to say to a growing DID of an individual with more and more compounded information on their medical data? No, totally. Again, I believe blockchain is an excellent governance or programmable privacy kind of software layer, right? So in, in our roadmap, what we think is, again, your, your information is usually stored in your trusted laboratory, right? This could even be the laboratory that is annexed to the, to the hospital that you are usually or would 
usually go, right? I mean, I'm not saying that this will happen. Emergencies happen everywhere in the world. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the laboratories might have the power to disclose your information on an emergency. And there there are claims uh, that can clearly prove that this situation was uh, literally an emergency, right? Because at the end of the day, privacy for us is 95% control, right? It's not secrecy as many we think confuse, right? We patients don't want to protect our data as it would be the, uh, the, the top secret from the government kind of thing. No, we, we just want to have control. And if somebody had access to our information, we want to know why. And obviously, if it's a positive uh, or a net positive outcome or, or, or purpose, that's okay. I believe at the end of the day, that's also the spirit of the privacy laws. The, the, the spirit of the privacy laws is to protect people's dignity, right? And, and you don't want to have, or you don't want to surprise your patients or your, your users when you misuse the information, because again, those, those, uh, 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 those, those cases will derive into a conflict and potential legal conflicts. And if you don't have proper consent, you will be in trouble as a company. So at, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to tell you is that you can program, you can, you can literally use the, the, the platform to have all these already sorted out and you have pre-consented data for emergencies as long as the, 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 the people who is accessing your information signs and they cannot be anonymized. They cannot be under an, a pseudonymous. They have to be known and there's got to be somebody at the hospital that signs the transaction and leaves trace of why um, they, they access your private vault. But I think this is the use case. This is what you want to, to, to use the blockchain for, in my opinion. I mean, traceability, control, and permissions. Um, so you kind of went right into my next question, the CCPA and um, COPRA. So the California Consumer Privacy Act also includes biogenetic information. Um, and so does COPRA, um, the uh, national legislation that um, we currently um, don't have passed. But uh, there is uh, reason to believe that more and more this information will be in the purview of the person, of the individual, because of the privacy laws. So I'll let you speak to that a little bit more. It looks like you've got um, the perfect one here, ethical biodata market for research. Let's go. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, this is a, an excellent opportunity because, again, if we go to and, and study the, the essence of HIPAA, right? The essence of CCPA, of GDPR, again, it's, it's like the state with all its power trying to protect the individual 
against a potential misuse or abuse from the companies when they store or hold their private information, right? That's one of the aspects. And there is kind of the middle ground where the government says, okay, companies, you're allowed to have the, my, the citizens' data as long as you have their consent, right? And then obviously, like for instance, GDPR Article 7 is very, very detailed about what is, a, a, what is considered a good informed consent. And you have to have many aspects. Just to mention some, is it the, the purpose of the information? If it's uh, literally uh, into the scope of data minimization, right? If it is, if it, the, the question is, is this the minimal information you could have in order to service the, your customer or your patient? What is the time retain, or the period of, of retention of this information? Is it justified? Right, and so on and so forth. So there's a whole discussion, but at the end of the day, you can abstract all this and say, at the end of the day, we all want transparency, right? And it has to make sense. So if I am just selling you an ancestry report, why do you need my information to stay in your servers for months or even years, right? Doesn't make sense, in my opinion. So if I want to service you with just a, an ancestry report, could be seconds, as you were mentioning at the, at the beginning of the session, right? You can literally build a virtual machine, temporary virtual machine, put the, the, the customer's data, and then just delete the, the virtual machine as soon as you deliver the ancestry report. Uh, again, the, the main idea, and this is the picture that I want to yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, it sounded like you were getting into uh, the aggregated data, uh, which is what we have, the the um, the anonymous values that are created with, through the genomic. We have all sorts of means to start testing them in an anonymous, anonymous fashion uh, for cures like uh, the uh, terrible one that afflicts your child and um, other ones that people... Um, need cures for so um that aggregation of information through ml and ai that uh blockchain is the gateway for um is really um amazing in the process if it can be pseudonymous and or anonymous uh so uh i'll let you no no i mean you're, you're totally right um and just to, to explain a little bit what's going on in this graph what we are trying to do is to use the, the uh, there's, there's a new kind of smart contract that uh, it was incentivized by, by Tree Trunk, right? That is called cryptolithography. So we, we understand that for some cases, especially in rare diseases, the, 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 the easiest way is for researchers to have the data, right? We know that there is federated Compute, compute and we are there's homomorphic encryption and all of those to to be honest as a patient that's only buzzwords computational buzzwords because those will aggregate error those will aggregate noise and you don't want that for your uh, your kid as a patient you want the doctor to have the most accurate 
information in front of them. Because again, we don't need secrecy. We don't need like to, to, to have like super computational kind of tools uh, to, to have. We just need to know who has a copy of our information, what is the purpose, and don't do uh, wrong things or wrong actions with our data. Because there is obviously the, the grand majority of the researchers are ethical. They don't want to sell the data. They don't want to uh, do commercial stuff with it. They just want to do research, literally. And obviously, if there is a commercial interest, then again, you just need proper licensing of the data. We don't have anything against the commercial cases of the data. We just need, again, to find the 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 middle ground, right? The, the common ground for everybody. And we could solve cases as the Mrs. Henrietta Lacks case that is very, very famous that obviously her tissue was taken without her consent. Now the family is suing Thermo Fisher. And it's a scandal. It's, it's frictioning citizens or patients with researchers. And we don't want that. We This, literally, this tree is... I believe a very good initiative. Obviously, everybody would be a better judge, but this is the thing that we just need to build. It's a tree of family and signed and authorized and consented copies in the hands of true researchers, not data brokers, true researchers. And we don't have problems to open the actual true data set coming from a laboratory where we can have all the data certifications and quality. Again, I mean, this is our vision. We respect others, uh, companies, projects, researcher visions, but the, the, the simpler, the, 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 the architecture we think would be the best one, especially in healthcare where you don't want to aggregate noise, you don't want to aggregate any kind of um, additional um, sources of 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 error right um yeah i think that's um very very important um so uh, i'm just going to kind of uh oh is that your son no this is this is uh janot kiros uh just very quickly he's one of the researchers right he has, uh, he's been diagnosed with a rare disease as well. So this is kind of our customers, right? He's our partner and customer. So he has uh, osteogenesis imperfecta, right? So the osteogenesis imperfecta is, is affecting bones, right? So these patients have very fragile bone, uh, bones. So we are, we are enabling him to issue 3,000 exome kits to increase the liquidity of the, uh, the, uh, the data that is available that describes or is related to this specific. So this is one of the down-to-earth kind of things that we are doing. So this is the, the contracts that we do. We are not the brand, they are the brand, uh, and the data is owned and controlled by the donors, is consented for research in the hands of researchers as do not and his team 
and we we they just need to choose a laboratory that could produce the exam data and this is again the the we call it the ethical triangle right but again this is just just uh, another slide that that I wanted to to share with you and the audience um but I think it is something that uh yeah it shows what we are finally doing right in in our day by day basis excellent excellent um so um i know you have an mba behind your name um but like me <laughs> that doesn't always imply money 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 um in a lot of ways it's systems thinking which is what we're talking about um organizational models and uh do you see this fitting into some kind of uh token based economy at some point uh we're getting towards that um and um in a lot of ways should it um be based in a token based economy i know there's a lot of ethical and moral um arguments going on about health coins or and or something along those lines but i think it's a conversation we all need to have because we have insurance so um the uh payment models may have to be upskilled um and or augmented so do you have anything to say to a token based uh economy uh with this for healthcare at all no that's that's obviously uh a super interesting question and area that the token economy is is going to happen right i think the the magic will happen in a positive way when you select where uh, the, the 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 precise moment in terms of the network and i'm referring to the size of the network and the traffic of the network and when you have like literally uh like a, it's going to be a happy problem for you what i mean is for instance very simple example we all or some of us use the Starbucks kind of app, right? And some of us, we store value there, right? That's literally a tokenomics, right? And they did it because it was just a, a natural step. It was not forced, right? There were enough uh, venues. There, there was enough people. And now Starbucks has a super happy problem because they have $1 billion usually in floating capital right now. Uh, and obviously they don't suffer about liquidity. And that that could obviously be like a private blockchain, if I may. Like it's obviously you cannot resell these tokens in the secondary market. But I'm, what, what I'm trying to tell you is that we think we are not there yet. I mean, for us in our humble opinion, or maybe not as humble, right? Every single project that has issued their token before time has failed and their value right now is minus 98 percent right why because there's no value to sustain that token usually what happens is that you would have a very uh good proposal from what we call a whale right it's a person with a lot of capital 
They say, hey, I'll buy you the token at 90, 90%, uh, 90% discount. And when you issue the token to the public and you do this marketing kind of thing, the, 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 the price of the token will go up. But then as soon as this whale will cash out, because it's the grand majority of your tokens, that, that will trash the value of the token. That's exactly what has happened with the five or six projects that have done. And they hurt people, to be honest. They hurt the good reputation of Web3 or the good potential that Web3 has in this use case. That's why we just offer an NFT. The issuance of a bio NFT has zero speculative um, uh, case right now. It costs approximately $1, a little bit less now, um, to, to issue one biosample permission token. And it's a utility token, T totally. It's a utility NFT. Laboratories do not have to have tokens. We prepay all the transactions with our wallet and we just issue a fiat and, and very regular invoice every month based on the number of transactions they did. And I think this is the way to right now that we are right now. But of course, if we scale to, let's say, 100,000 users, then it becomes interesting. And now maybe you can extract value from the network and you find the uh, correct tokenomics. But until that time, I think nobody should issue a token or, I mean, the risk of, again, just uh, uh, crash, crashing the system will be, will be allowed. Yeah, I think with um, the current correction, and the idea that uh, there has to be a larger ecosystem um, in order for it to work uh, is is important to know because um, yeah, there anybody can put out a token. Let's just put it like that, and anybody can um, make some kind of um, statement about it. But when it comes down to it, uh, we're still seeing uh, that part of the industry and blockchain uh, maturing. But blockchain is a, uh, I want people to know um, they need to decouple that from cryptocurrency. And it is actually a scientific uh, process of programming and um, way of um, lining up um, all sorts of values and connecting disparate markets that really weren't there before. Um, so I think that's, what's always fun about that. Um, uh, do you want to tell us anything more about general bank before I open it up for some questions for, uh, the guests that we have here, if they have any. No, thank you very much. Just wanted to, uh, share that we just graduated and I just changed my background <laughs> just to make the difference. So from stacked ventures, this is, this is a regulatory kind of advantage stacks was born i mean stacks is is a software uh layer it's a, it's a network uh or or a layer that will allow you to to do or to mint nfts using the bitcoin blockchain network right this is um attempted by other two uh protocols called uh 
RSK and uh, and Counterparty. But Stacks, I believe, is is well, it is a, actually the only one that is authorized by the SEC, right? Stacks was born with a, a regulation A plus or Reg A plus, as they call it, and this is a regulatory advantage, right? So um, we just graduated from the the, the Stacks acceleration. And we are more than excited to bring our bio NFTs to the Bitcoin blockchain network, because as you were mentioning, we were born in Ethereum. Then we were not be able, we were not able to operate on Ethereum. So we uh, uh, migrated to Avalanche, right? Avalanche now allow us to be as affordable, right? Or have a, a good pricing for laboratories, which is again, an average of $1 per transaction. But now we want to increase the uh, availability of our services in other chains because the future is, we think, multi-chain. So that's that's uh, basically what I want to tell you. Um, many, many things are coming. We have the, the other platform uh, that we also have, Genobank helps laboratories to uh, sign their documents so we have more than 320,000 biosample results like for HIV tests, paternity tests, COVID-19, um, um, uh, human papilloma, and so on and so forth. So this is another tool that we have. So laboratories can certify their documents and make them tamper-proof because they, they sign it using the, the blockchain. And again, this is sovereign um or self-sovereign kind of certificates that with that that being said i wanted to thank you ryan uh enough i mean i'm very very grateful for for you to have uh me in and genobank in in your in your show with your audience and very very i mean all my gratitude to you and your team uh for having for having us oh it's my pleasure i you know i I may get a little too excited about blockchain sometimes. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned um, Starbucks because when I first met Tori in person, uh, I said that uh, I told her, I said, well, blockchain started with Candy Crush or that's that's what people's when people's obsession started with it. And if they don't understand tokenomics, then all they need to do is look to somebody who spent $10 on a hundred. I never played the game or a hundred another tries or whatever that the, the, the tokens people bought on there. And you can understand tokenomics and people's incentive to do such things. And during that whole thing, if we're talking about maturing of the whole model of a blockchain ecosystem, um, it got to the point where um, they were able to know people's preferences for sounds and colors. You know, when I think when like certain types of candy exploded, it made sounds and people liked it. And it was a great, it was a great experiment in marketing. It was a, it was a great way for uh, people to find out. So um, I think the best thing is for pioneers like you to just keep on trucking and get it going. And um, uh, this will be up on the blockchain and healthcare todays. 
website uh, for or their YouTube uh, for everyone to see. Uh, I know that's where I watch a lot of these myself um, because uh, it is the middle of the day um, <laughs> for a lot of people who actually work in healthcare. Um, so with that being said, I want to thank you um, and I want to remind people about the symposium. And I meant to go through it with the process with you and you probably, I wanted to actually go through the general bank because I haven't um, had my DNA uh, done yet. So I was uh, thinking about uh, talking to you about that. You do have kits that you can mail to people, um, I believe. Um, I did see that on your, uh, okay. So um, it'll be uh, a great process uh, to see um, um, where you go with this, Daniel. I'm excited. Very excited. No, thank you very much, Ryan. So, um, yeah, so it's not direct kind of kits because we are a B2B solution, but we can certainly be happy to, to, um, to create a, a, a specific kit for, I mean, we have done this in the past because at the end of the day, what we want again is to enable people to own and control their data, regardless of the laboratory that they, they, rather choose or, or, or prefer to, to have, right? In, in this case, uh, again, I'm taking the liberty to just um, like, uh, again, show what we are doing, like for instance, with Somos, right? Somos is an ancestry co uh, company based in California that helps Latinos and Latinas to explore their pre-Hispanic kind of ancestry, right? So this is a very kind of unique, but they use our technology. We're partners again and, and customers because you have your 12 words, right? That are the private key that controls the data sets coming from your DNA biosample kit. And you can obviously revoke the bio NFT if you don't want to, if you don't want them no longer to store your raw data. But again, this is up to, to them. And this is, Literally in 2020 was the first commercial decentralized DNA data vault used for, for ancestry. But what I'm trying to tell you is that this is the thing that we are trying to, to grow, which are the, the use case. The use case for uh, uh, researcher do not is exome because this was genotyping. So we want to have partners that will process exome and we want partners to process the whole genome or whatever the use case uh, you you want, right? Or specific regions of of the of the DNA. But but again, we we just partner with let's say DNA kit issuers <laughs> and laboratories. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you're you're muted. I was saying I'll have to include that in my model for a full blockchain um, uh, doctor's primary office um, and testing. Uh, um, I'll be like, I know the supplier right here for you. So um, we'll get all your testing supplies and everything. I know who to go to now, Daniel. <laughs> and by the way, blockchain healthcare is we don't endorse products. If, if anybody think, is thinking that, 
I just wanted to make that clear that um, Daniel is here for us to uh, view people in the industry that are taking it to the next level with application. So Daniel, I uh, thank you again. It is time uh, for us to leave. I look forward to meeting you in September if uh, my birdie's true. And uh, we will uh, talk more there, okay? Thank you everyone for attending. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, everybody. Please have a great day. Thank you, everyone.